Welcome to In The Hopper, a real estate, community, and business development show where we discuss future projects coming down the pike in our city. Brought to you by Belgian Development and hosted by yours truly, Akeem Brown, the conductor. Our guest on In The Hopper today is Cherie Klassen, the Executive Director of the Old Strathcona Business Association. As you'll see from today's episode, Cherie is an extremely passionate small business advocate and community builder who brings initiative and leadership to the organizations she works with. In addition to her role at the OSBA, she is also the chair of the Edmonton BIA Business Improvement Association Council, which represents the business interests of all 13 business improvement areas in Edmonton. Cherie brings over 20 years of experience in marketing, communications, public relations, and business development in small business and nonprofit sectors. In this episode, Cherie covers quite a bit of ground, everything from how businesses pivoted during the pandemic to what she sees for the future of the neighborhood and Edmonton. And without further ado, please help me welcome Cherie Klassen. Welcome, Cherie, to In the Hopper. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I mean, with uh, Station Park and with the Old Strathcona Business Association, White Ave and Edmonton, I just couldn't think of too many people that we could have as a better representative of the area than yourself. So I'm glad you're here and I'm looking forward to having a quick chat about everything going on in the area. Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to talk about it. <laughs> wow. So it's been uh, interesting 18 months and interesting summer, but I mean, there's a lot of positives we can point at and there's a lot of uh, actually changes in the area. You look at White Ave, it's, it's evolving at such a rapid pace. And I know that at the Old Strathcona Business Association, you have a lot of priorities these priorities range from cleanliness to, uh, you know, beautification to business support, marketing and advocacy, like have all these priorities that you try to juggle and all these plates you try to spin, which one is kind of top of your list lately? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, honestly, the last 18 months has really been around just supporting our businesses. So early on in the pandemic, we really just focused on member communications and ensuring that our members had the latest information from the various levels of government that they needed. Um, we continued with really regular communication, but certainly things have changed over those 18 months. One of the things we saw this summer, uh, just because so many people came back as soon as the night economy reopened that had basically been non-existent for a year, uh, you know, we saw the impacts of what that means when thousands of people come back to your district and it leads to litter, <laughs> mm -hmm. litter and dirt and sticky stuff. So we already contract uh, a social enterprise called the Old Strathcona Clean Team with the mustard seed that does litter pickup four times a week. So they were doing three times a week and we said, you need to increase that. And then on top of that, we were really finding that um, the sidewalks were just dirty beyond litter. So we started working with Boyle Street Ventures and they have a company called Hire Good and we started hiring them weekly to do pressure washing. And that is something else that we've just noticed we need to do. We forgot that, you know, when there's people in an area, yeah. just how dirty it gets. <laughs> so those are two things we've been focusing a lot on and just trying to make the area look cleaner. Um, sometimes it feels like an uphill battle. You can't do enough of it. But we know that welcoming people back in Main Street districts, a lot of it is about how it looks. 100%. Yeah. So keeping it clean, having beautiful flowers out. We did more flowers this year that we could have. Um, and then another really important uh, project for us over the summer was um, last year advocating for expanded sidewalks and patio and retail space. 
And we did that last year with the city of Edmonton. And this year we, it looked a little different. So really what that was about is creating enough extra sidewalk space so that restaurants and patios could take up the entire area of the sidewalk. So then the sidewalk had to move onto the roadway. Mm-hmm. And last year we, we did that just with some picnic tables and the city put out pylons, didn't look a little bit like a construction zone. So this year we really wanted to make it look better. Yeah. And we worked with Third Space Design to create these really awesome jersey barriers that are that are very artistic, covered in sort of you know a mural, and then clever seating hung from them so that we could have these spaces for people to sit and hang out and linger. And that's what we heard last year is people really liked that extra space, and they like to have a space to sit and hang out, which is something that is lacking on White Avenue. So we've learned a lot from the temporary pilots of that I think that you know going forward we're really going to need to look at how do we do what we call placemaking places for people to hang out in a more permanent way and that is one thing we're really advocating with the city right now is how do we add additional placemaking features like parklets and benches and more bike racks and um, places for people to hang out outside since that's something we've really learned is important over COVID Uh, and how do we make those spaces inviting and they've they've been They've been working very well, um, but they're very temporary and they won't last. So we need some permanent stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Getting it, uh, testing out these pilots and seeing which ones stick. I mean, that's a part of the process. And that answer you just provided, I think, really paints the picture as to why what you do is so valuable for White Ave. I mean, you just covered a lot of things. First of all, I wanted to say I was always wondering on Sunday mornings or Saturday mornings how the street was so immaculately clean after the parade of uh, partying and night crowd that happens. It's almost like it goes to this uh, transformation in the middle of the night. And I was always curious. So you're behind that. That's that's really cool. Well, you kind of uh, are pulling the strings from behind the scenes. And- yeah, yeah. So the, the pressure washing folks are out very early in the morning on Mondays. Um, we kind of had them come m- midweek one time. And then I think we're landing on early Monday mornings just because the weekends are so busy. Um, and I think we're just going to have to find out if, uh, you know, once a week is sufficient or maybe we, we have to change that for, for next summer. I, it, fortunately it's just seasonal. So we really right. only have to do it for the summer into the early fall. But, um, yeah, I hope to think that it looks clean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also want to give you a compliment. Like you do a, a fantastic job and the, the neighborhood looks beautiful all the time. I know a lot of friends who live down here and they just love it because it does go through that transformation where it can be it can be both things. It can be that place for young people to come and enjoy the night, but it can also be that place for families and young professionals and, and any demographic fill in the blank to come by and just really enjoy the space and the beautification with the flowers and also the patio space that extended onto the street. I had a question about that. Like did was there precedent for that around the city or where did you guys kinda of come up with that idea or was it influence because of COVID and not being able to eat inside or kind of how did that yeah, come about? So it started last year. So, um, our business improvement areas, there's 13 of us that represent about, uh, 4,000 businesses in the city. And I'm also the chair of the BIA council. So we've been doing a lot of advocacy with the city of Edmonton and, and other orders of government during COVID. And one of the things that came up last year, um, was that, you know, restaurants are going to need more space and we've seen this happening all over the world. So those 
you know, the countries that are sort of ahead of us with COVID, we looked to those companies as main street districts and said, what are they doing? Mm -hmm. And everything has been about getting outside, creating more space outside, creating active spaces for people outside. Um, and so we, it was us advocating for those businesses that when they could only have outdoor dining, they needed more space. They needed more space to, to just survive quite honestly, because, um, you know, they're, they're, their capacity limits were way, way down. And that was the only way they were going to survive. So we said, how can we work with a city to change the patio program? Um, they made a temporary expanded patio permit program, which made it really, really easy. There was no cost for businesses um, and kind of got scrappy on like, how do we make this extra space? I think we're the only area in the city that actually took it a step further. Um, for a couple blocks, we really wanted to pilot beyond just having pylons out, you know, and little ramps just around the patio, how could we create maybe a couple blocks of this? Um, so we originally just had the city put out pylons last year for, it was like a, a lane and about a half, the parking space and an additional lane. But then there was nothing in it and nobody knew what to do because it looked like a construction zone. So that's when we hired Third Space. Um, Amos mm. is a fantastic designer, does yeah. cool stuff around the city. He works with vignettes and they do cool stuff. So we just said, how do we like make this look prettier? <laughs> yeah. And you know, we just put down some picnic tables and some flowers and some parklets. Uh, he painted Rainbow Road and Spurline Alley. I saw that. And then this year we said, okay, um, how do we do this differently? We had some challenges with the ramps last year that the city provided that we heard some feedback from, from accessibility folks that they weren't good enough. So we said, okay, we're going to build our own for the two blocks that we do. Um, we did only have the curb lane to work with this year just because of some increased traffic demands and construction in the area, which was very disappointing to us. Oh. Uh, we had to get really creative with a small space and, and that's where Amos came in again with about, oh, I think we had three different iterations of what we wanted to do. And uh, we really felt it was important to have barriers between folks and the traffic, mm. um, which became quite a challenge of how you put these barriers down temporarily. Concrete barriers were too permanent. Uh, so we found the city had these water barriers that were sitting in a warehouse somewhere. Um, and Amos said, you know, I can design those, I can paint them. And I have a fabricator who can build custom furniture on them. And we went, oh my gosh, this sounds fantastic. So we didn't get quite as many as we had hoped. We were actually hoping to get more of them on the avenue. Um, and yeah, for two and a half blocks, we use these Jersey barriers and in, in places to create that extra pedestrian space. And we built ADA compliant ramps, um, that have had some problems wow. with them too this year, but they're way better than the, the ramps that kind of spit folks out straight onto the roadway. These actually keep them alongside the sidewalk. Um, so I think those two are doing a survey right now with public and businesses to find out what they thought of this year's mm -hmm. strategy, because it is quite different. Um, and you know, what can we can do going forward? So yeah, it was, it was a, a whole experiment with the city and, uh, we decided to take it a step further. And it's interesting because I had colleagues in BC who said, how did you do this? Cool. Um, in Vancouver. So that was kind of cool that other raising the bar. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's cool. We, we like to take risks and, you know, we've often said during, during COVID, like, don't waste the crisis, look, look for opportunities to innovate. So yeah, we've done some cool stuff. We did some cool stuff with murals this year too, and a mural map and mural tours, just like embracing the outdoors of what makes this area fantastic. So I could talk all day about this. Yeah. The neighborhood <laughs> is like a piece of art. It's like a, it's like a living piece of art and 
yeah, the streetscaping and the, I think you said it was like water barriers. Mm -hmm. Those are the plastic ones. I've even seen seats in there and there's Mm -hmm. like been many concerts that sprung up. Like it's been so cool, you know, it's been so cool for a main street. I mean, we're doing it justice, I think. And, uh, uh, yeah, I just love walking. It's one of my favorite things to do on a Saturday or a Friday night is just do a lap of white and just see the energy. And it's, it's, it's definitely back, um, to, uh, you know, more so than it's ever been, I think. And we're just going in the right direction. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fingers crossed. So, uh, with regards to like the neighborhood and, uh, you know, walkability and you were mentioning a lot of these aspects when you were talking about the streetscaping, but there's one project in particular that I think, um, maybe people aren't super aware of, but maybe they're starting to become aware of it because phase one has been completed, but right around the Strathcona farmer's market. And then, uh, just between, uh, 82nd Ave and 83rd Ave, there's that back alley project right between 103rd street and 104th street. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you maybe chat about how that project will encourage exploration around white Ave and how, what it's doing for the area? Yeah. So when I started this role almost four years ago, uh, that was in the very early phases. Sugar and spice had just opened. Um, Holy roller was, was there as well. And I mean, bell Jen's really behind really making that alley something different. Uh, I jumped on board with advocating for it like immediately. I just saw that like this, we could be the area of the city that has a secondary main street. Mm-hmm. Um, we see them all over the world. Um, I'd been to Seattle and, and seen some of their cool stuff in their alleys. And so, you know, this, it took a while to get the city on board. Um, and we had looked at different examples of, of how different models were funded. And there was all sorts of different examples around the world. But I think, um, you know, we saw lots and lots of, positive things that you know improving a back alley could could be and and i think when people think about it they're like ah, it's just a back alley it's dark it's it's got garbage cans in it but when you start to have businesses in the alley Mm -hmm. you start to think about it differently and i think even before the businesses were there because of um, all the festivals we have in the area and the farmer's market that back alley has always been busy with with foot traffic um so i mean it needed something anyway so you know, a, a group of stakeholders came together. We developed a little subcommittee for the, the Strathcona back alley, or now it's called the back street. I don't know if that's going to stick or not. Mm. Um, and just started having conversations about what it could look like. And when we finally got the city on board, um, where they had some funding with neighborhood renewal, which was really, really fortunate. I think that if this would be two years from now, that wouldn't even have happened, but they had neighborhood renewal dollars that uh, they found some some scope growth that they could do some enhancements for the back street within the neighborhood renewal program, which was fantastic. Um, and you know, we all came together with ideas and worked with some designers that the city had of what could this space look like, how do we want it to transform, um, and really looked at it as a secondary main street and creating a plaza and. This isn't necessarily just a place for garbage trucks and cars and, and litter. And there's a group working together to try to um, get all the garbage combined into one area. And that was something we saw in Seattle, too, is one of the first things you, you need to do if you're trying to transform a back alley is, is clean it up and try and get the garbage kind of into um, you know, a collaborative garbage program so that you don't have dumpsters everywhere. Um, the other thing we noticed a lot too is, is dumpster, dumpsters tend to attract graffiti and, and all sorts of right. other, other stuff. So that was something that's still in the process. 
Um, but I think, you know, for the businesses back there, they really just wanted that lane walkable. It's full of potholes. It's becomes a pool (laughs) at certain times of year. And then those businesses are inaccessible. And that was kind of the key thing from the city's perspective is, you know, our main street businesses have sidewalks and those have to be maintained and have to be repaired. And so why don't these backstreet businesses have the same access? So we advocated for that really loudly too. Um, and we're successful with a bunch of stakeholders with having the city come on board to at least phase part of it or fund fund a part of it, phase one. Awesome. Yeah, so I think I'm excited to see where that can go. I think it'll mean that the area is safer, um, the area is more accessible for the busiest times of year when fringe, when we get fringe back and 800,000 people down here. Holy smokes. They need people, they need places to, to exit safely. And I think we'll see more businesses. In fact, I was just talking to a business owner yesterday that is thinking about doing something to activate the alley too, now that they see the potential. So I think it's going to be really cool. And I think, of course, Old Strathcona is being the first place that that's going to happen. Uh, and I know other business districts are already looking to us and going, oh, how do we do that? Which is awesome. That's what we want to see yeah. across the city. Yeah, you guys leading the way and uh, having the kind of raw clay of an area to do that with. It's You mentioned Seattle. I thought of London right away in the, uh, I think it's called, it's not Piccadilly Cir- Circus, but there's a street in the, there's a back alley street in London that has the same kind of concept. It was just kind of forgotten. And then some community stakeholders came together and said, let's activate the space. And it's become a huge smash hit. It's actually a tourist destination now. Exactly. And, uh, that's, that's what we see the opportunity as. I mean, we painted an alley last year. You know, we hired Amos to paint an alley and that became like the most Instagrammed alley rainbow road. Um, so that just goes to show you how simple things can make, you know, a huge impact on folks. And, it, yeah. and again, COVID has really shown us that um, activating our outdoor spaces is people are hungry for it, mm. you know? And I don't think that, I hope that doesn't go away. I hope that, you know, we can find public activation and like good urban planning um, as a thing that stays in our cities. Um, because for our main streets, it actually equates to when, when we know when people are moving past businesses slower, they spend more money. Mm. And I was actually just reading, um, I actually saw a, a video of Barcelona converting parts of there where they have parking and and cars and converting them to places for people. And they said the economic impact that it's had to the businesses in those districts has been tremendous. Wow. So that's what we want to do. That's where we want to get to. We want to be able to transform these spaces that normally are taken up by cars, um, in, you know, in being realistic about, we still need parking and we still need some of those things, but a lot of them are underutilized. You know, we have a lot of empty parking lots around here. Um, and a a lot of roadways that maybe, uh, don't need to be as busy as they are. Wow. That's a, that's an amazing observation. People's when people slow down, they spend more money. That's, I mean, it makes sense. It's It's an incredible insight because, uh, you know, the less cars, the more people are walking and, uh, they kind of browse more, maybe, I don't know. It's, uh, it's an, it's interesting idea. Um, and I think that, uh, giving people a reason to slow down is the kind of the first, uh, part of that. Um, Absolutely. and, uh, we're, we're trying our best in that European model slash Seattle model, or I'm not sure what we're going to call it, but I like it. I think it's, uh, going to be, uh, incredibly effective. Um, when it comes to, you know, businesses adapting, like you were mentioning a little bit about, you know, making more outdoor spaces and creative, more, uh, more creative spaces outdoors. Uh, can you maybe speak to um, how businesses that, you know, in your experience and the conversations you've had over the last 18 months, how they've found ways to pivot during the pandemic? 
all of them have pivoted. Yeah. All of them. Uh, we represent, you know, anywhere between five and six hundred businesses in Old Strathcona. Um, it's not just White Avenue, but I think you know some of the most prominent ones we saw. Um, we get really innovative, and I always go back to Strathcona Spirits because they typically are making, you know, gin and vodka. Uh, and now whiskey, and they started making hand sanitizer, <laughs> um, which was crazy. When you talk to Adam about it, he says, I never thought I'd be in the hand sanitizer business. <laughs> Not nearly as enjoyable, no but way. high demand for it. Um, yeah. We saw businesses like restaurants like Next Act and that group, uh, they started offering takeout and they created their own delivery systems because they wanted to keep as much of the dollars in their pockets as opposed to going to third-party delivery apps. Um, businesses who didn't have a digital presence, we, we started to, we partnered with, um, the university of Alberta school of retailing program with a program called making Edmonton digital. And they, they got, um, over 50 of our businesses have already participated. They get one-on-one time with a, what they call the digital consultant, which was, which is students at the university, uh, to get 10 hours, basically of free consultation to help them set up their Google pages, their e-commerce, their websites, figure out their social media, like whatever the business needed. Uh, and that's been something that's been a huge change that I think we already saw businesses were, were needing to do. And the pandemic just accelerated all of that. Um, and then speaking of sort of outdoor spaces, we've seen some really cool stuff at yellowed and overflow that they have these cool takeout windows. That's right. I yeah. don't know that they're ever going to go away. And I think it's awesome that you can just walk up and, and, um, you know, get your food. We've seen some pop-up kitchens. We've seen, um, all sorts of different, you know, creative retail curbside pickup, which is interesting because that also changes the way we need different parking accessibility and loading zones and that kind of thing. Um, one of our businesses was also incredibly creative. Um, I believe it was Elements Massage. They obviously couldn't be massaging their patients anymore early on. And so they tried to find a way to how they, how they stay in touch with their customers. And they started doing videos and online kind of like consultations. Oh, cool. Yeah. And that's like, that's so incredibly creative when you are very much like a hands-on therapeutical business. Many of the fitness places did that as well. They started doing online fitness classes. So, I mean, all of it was digital. Everybody had to get digital, right? And uh, I I don't think we're going to see that completely reverse. I think that those businesses will have to continue to maintain having some of that, as we call like multi-channel, multi-channel access, which is again, the way businesses were going anyway. Um, and I just, you know, I'm constantly amazed how innovative businesses have continued to be and tenacious, tenacious is the word of 2020 Mm. and 2021. Um, and they've just pivoted every single time they had to. So I'm incredibly proud of them. And, and I think that, uh, I think that we are still going to see some cool new business ideas. I think it's going to change, you know, I'm seeing a lot more pop-ups, um, yeah. that are going to be, that are going to kind of be happening and maybe seasonal and maybe more grab and go kind of style things. Um, I think it's going to, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how retail and restaurants and uh, bricks and mortar changes forever. Agreed. I mean, this is uh, like you said, don't waste the, don't waste the, what was it? Don't waste a good crisis. Don't waste a good crisis. <laughs> I love that. And to your point, I was going to follow up and you kind of answered all my follow-ups. So I like that you're, uh, you're on top of it today, but, uh, 
Um, I was going to ask if any of these kind of changes are going to stick for the long term. And you mentioned yellowed with the surface window that that's probably not going to go away. Uh, you know, is there anything else you think that, you know, is probably going to stick around or do you think that they're going to be a bit of a mix between, you know, the old way they did business and then constantly innovating with the digital ideas? And because um, I, I don't know, I, I'm not sure if that will ever go away. You know, I kind of hope it doesn't ever go away because I think one of the things that when you use the example of, of getting digital and getting an online presence, I mean, that's how customers are finding yeah. folks. And I think consumer habits are forever changed. I know even mine are. Um, and I know Main Street districts and bricks and mortar businesses feel very threatened by online and e-commerce, but many of them were already jumping on that that bandwagon. Um, I know, you know, Knifeware and Kent of Inglewood already had a strong online e-commerce and many businesses have said, if it wasn't for our e-commerce, you know, we wouldn't have survived. Yeah. And if you just are starting it during a global pandemic, that's going to be a rough road. Um, because if you haven't created that presence, it's basically like having a second store in a lot of ways. So, um, you know, lots of retail trends are showing that that was already happening and that just got accelerated. So keeping that and continuing that would be wise yeah. as sort of like your, I don't want to call it your backup plan, but kind of your backup plan. If you want to, if your store closes, you can still run your online store and still make revenue that way. You've got to be a heck of a good marketer and you got to know how to, how to get that, get the word out that you have this online store. But for the businesses that we've talked to, you know, especially in retail, that's been an, it's so, so, so vital for them to survive. Yeah. And, and I understand, uh, you have a background in marketing and communication. I do. That is my background. Marketing PR and communications is my background. Yeah. Okay. And mixing that, your background and your expertise in that understanding your, your knowledge of Strathcona and the comment you just mentioned about, uh, you know, there's going to be some innovation and some new businesses. Uh, can you maybe tease us with something that you might see, uh, coming down the pike or is, uh, maybe mm. you want to want us to wait and see, or what do you kind of forecast? I don't know that I know of any specifically coming, but I think I've had lots of conversations with folks and in, in people in the business community of, you know, what are spaces, physical bricks and mortar spaces going to look like after and leasing agents are telling us everyone wants smaller. Um, and I think in places like old Strathcona where we have these beautiful historic buildings, they're beautiful, but they're not very conducive to today's commercial Right. marketplace. And I was just talking to a business owner yesterday who we call them back, we call them bowling alleys, <laughs> our long buildings. Right. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, seeing more developers like Belgian, you know, cutting buildings like in half front back, um, shrinking the spaces. I think we're going to need to see a lot more of that. I really hope to see more like hybrid businesses and ones that are sharing spaces. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, not, not a ton of it, but I think across the city where we're seeing, you know, bookstores and coffee shops together. And, um, I hope that gets even more creative that we see kinds of these mixes, um, co-working spaces. I understand there's one moving into our area, which I've been wanting for years. And I think we'll see more of like, again, the way people are working is different and that was already changing again. So I think we're going to see more of that kind of stuff that people having shared workspaces. I'd love to see shared retail spaces. I think that would be really cool yeah. to see, you know, maybe two different businesses operating together or two different concepts. I, I did, I was just having a conversation with a business owner yesterday that he's like, you know, 
I have, you know, this, this restaurant pub thing, and I'm thinking about diversifying and getting into something else with this other space I have under lease and I don't know what to do with it and brainstorming ideas on how to do that kind of stuff. So they're thinking entrepreneurs are incredibly innovative and creative, and they're so cool to hang out with. So I, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I, I expect we may see some of that like shared space, mm. um, smaller spaces for sure for small businesses. Um, one of the really interesting thing is when people talk, talk a lot about vacancy and uh, you know, I, I hear conversations about people were so sad when second cup and Starbucks closed Oh yeah, and I kind of chuckled because we've had, I think in the last year and a half, seven new independent coffee shops open. Wow. So they're making room for independent coffee shops and that's what we want. You know, we have some beautiful independent coffee shops that have opened in the last year. Yeah, Local, yeah. local. So I think it's, it's kind of interesting that, um, it was the bigger franchises that seemed to close first. That is interesting. And the small folks, not all of them, but a lot of them, because they were able to pivot. And nimble, yeah. Yeah, they didn't have to check with their franchisee owner. Or, or corporate. Or corporate. They just did it, right? Just overnight. I talked to businesses that were, you know, half an hour, we got online. <laughs> you know, it was like we took a cor- we took a little YouTube video course, <laughs> and in, in half an hour, we were online. Boom. <laughs> wow. Imagine that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean... There's a Woodrack. I think Woodrack Cafe is opening up in the in the back street uh, very soon. So mm-hmm. that's an example of one that's just opening up in the area. And I know Roasty's down the road, and mm-hmm. uh, there's there's a handful of other ones. But uh, yeah, and you you're kind of answering my questions before I get a chance to ask them. I love it. <laughs> uh, I was actually just about to ask about how local businesses can collaborate and cross promote, and you know, I guess you kind of anticipating the future of uh, some of these trends that are kind of overlapping and colliding you kind of answered that question, but I was curious of like, um, maybe not in the context of future activity around White Ave and Strathcona, but you know, how businesses that you've seen in the past or during the pandemic, or maybe even going into the future, if you want to tread on that again, about how they can cross promote and collaborate, maybe if they're not in the same spaces, because, um, you don't always like, it'd be amazing if that happens. And I think it will, where people have a shared space or they're like neighbors or they, they're kind of coexisting. Um, but if they aren't in the same space or if it's not micro retail or things of that nature, how can businesses collaborate in, in, in this neighborhood? Lots of ways. I think, um, you know, some of the best relationships still can tend to come from being good neighbors to each other. Right. And I think we see businesses in, in old Strathcona and White Avenue just trying to help each other out. Right They're They know that everybody's feeling the pain. So, um, we saw some cool stuff happening with, um, Fouche donating shoes to Bamboo Ballroom for a fundraiser that they held. Um, Vivid Print created signs for curbside pickup for both them and their neighbor, Plaid Giraffe, in the back. Um, There was lots of collaborations with festivals and markets. Um, And then a really cool thing that happened with uh, a space that became a a pop-up dog park is uh, at South Park on the West End, they hired Curio, who's a a designer in our area, to design benches and art for their pop-up park. So it was cool that they they hired someone local and they've also had local food trucks come in there. So Yellowed's been in there and then um, Avila Repa's new food truck, Mr. Cappy, has been in there as well. And we really encourage them to support the local businesses. They've also offered a lot of like gift cards and giveaways 
um, to, to kind of promote their little, their little dog park called South Bark. <laughs> we oh, know cool. that Woodrack has been here, um, on Saturday nights with their little trailer, which yeah. is so cool. I didn't Dolly. even know they had it. They're like, Dolly, right. Yeah. Uh, so they got creative when they're in term, you know, they moved from one location or setting up a new one and they still are operating and they, they pulled this little trailer together with it. It's so cool. Yeah. And best ice cream sandwiches I've ever had. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so I think we're, yeah, we're seeing some of that cool kind of cross promotion and and Avila rep is a good example of they launch a food truck like how else can we get our food out there when when you know we can't maybe necessarily always operate so i think we're seeing lots of cross 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 collaboration and from our perspective you know we always encourage our businesses to get involved in marketing campaigns that that we have uh, we did our first ever, we called it the Sweet Treats and Latte Festival last winter from oh, wow. February to March. And that was really for us to take those coldest months when things were still closed, uh, try to get people out uh, in the bitter cold and really embrace our coffee culture. Mm. And that is something that went over really, really well. We tried to showcase, you know, I think we had about over a dozen for our first year, which was great, uh, coffee shops and, and bakeries you know, offering different deals. We ran it for an entire month and we worked with Curio too. We, we hired them to do all our design and we really just wanted to get people to embrace the outdoors and, yeah. and explore. Um, and that's been a big thing exploring. And I think we're going to find more opportunities with the mural map that we just designed. We have over 50 murals in old Strathcona and White Ave. Um, we did mural tours with Linda Huang uh, that are still ongoing. All of them are sold out. And awesome. I think there's opportunities there, um, or there is opportunity there. Linda, whenever she does them, she makes sure she has food stops on the way. So then she tries to showcase oh, cool. different businesses when we do it. So I think we're going to do more of that kind of stuff. Get out, explore, do these experience tours and tie in businesses to them. And yeah. that's where they can collaborate and cross promote as well. I love it. Yeah. And the, yeah, the tour business is interesting in the area. I know of two groups that do it really well, a Yeg Scoot. And uh, they do the tour, the scooter tours, and mm -hmm. then also, um, I, um, uh, her name escaping me right now, but uh, and she does the ghost tours. Mm -hmm. Nadine. Nadine, yeah. yeah. So she does an amazing job, and yep. I'm not sure if she highlights local businesses, but I know she <laughs> walks the neighborhoods. And to your point earlier, when people walk, they, they you know, maybe they're going to be on the tour, so they're not going to, you know, go in there and shop right away. But they're going to yeah. be like, hey, what's that? I didn't know that was there. Yeah, and urban pedal tours too. I'm so urban excited to see tours. them back. It's yeah. like the craziest thing, right? You have like, I think it's 15 people or 10 people on a bike, and they go from, um, you know, breweries. They do little like brewery tour. And it's, it's just fun to see. And when they were back out this year, I'm like, oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. That's like a very white half thing. You know, oh, 10 yeah. people on this big, huge green bike screaming and yelling. Um, so I was really excited <laughs> to see them back too. I think all of those tours were, were sadly missed. And mm. um, I'm excited to see them come back. There's lots, there's lots of them. There's the, the food bike tour that also does stuff. Um, and yeah, I think mural tours are going to be the thing that we're really going to embrace. Yeah. Uh, our mural map is going to have to get bigger because they're not all going to fit on the, <laughs> on the postcard we created. <laughs> uh, we have two more mural events happening this month. Uh, there's one happening next weekend um, on the west side called Calderado Alley, brand new mural festival. And then Grindstone's doing their mural massive again oh, cool. mid-September. So I think we might have 20 new more murals before the end of September. So uh, wow. we are becoming, as some people have asked us, the mural district. And I'm cool with that. Wow. <laughs> there we go. The amount of murals and the amount of activity and energy going around with 
everything we've been talking about when it comes to how business can collaborate, how they can, how they can see the area, all these tours that are available and all the ways that people are kind of collaborating and getting together. It, it kind of brings me to this next part about this area as a destination, this area as a tourist destination. And I wanted to get your thoughts on how you see Old Strathcona as a destination for Edmontonians and, and tourists abroad who are looking at Edmonton, not as just a place to go see West Edmonton Mall and see Connor McDavid's gate, but like a place where you can go see this really cool neighborhood that's trendy in so many ways. Well, we actually just did a whole bunch of market research with both the public and businesses to help uh, inform a business recruitment strategy that um, is completely underway. And interestingly enough, uh, we were hoping to hear this, but out of 800 Edmontonians, they rated Old Strathcona and White Avenue as the number one district in the city. So we are going to be shouting that loud and proud. Um, and that's statistically significant, so I can say it. Uh, we also found out that nearly three quarters of our respondent, respondents visit multiple times, so we know it's a destination. And we also heard that um, when they come here, they come for the day, they'll park, and they'll spend the entire day here. Uh, that's what they want to come and do, and they want to they want to walk. Like they told us that. So 800 out of 800 Edmontonians, you know, the the people that come here the most, they come here for a destination day. Mm -hmm. They'll drive from. We actually saw a lot of the respondents like coming from 15, 20 kilometers away. 90% um, of the respondents said they visit a restaurant or a cafe when they visit. Um, but also they wanted to discover retail shops and entertainment uh, shops. And they also told us that they visit 74% of the people told us they visit multiple businesses when they come here. So they're not just coming for one, which is what we were hoping. We, we kind of suspected this, but that tells us okay, this is a destination. The diversity of the businesses we have here, the 24-hour economy, like you said, it changes. Like you stick around till 10 o'clock and then it's a different world. And yeah. you come at 10 a.m. We don't wake up until about 10 a.m. down here. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you come down here and it's like you see different different groups of people. You see families during the day and the farmer's market brings different people. Yeah, It's just so incredibly diverse. It, as a marketer, it kind of blew my mind because I was like, how are you possibly going to market? to all these different people <laughs> but i think that yeah the advocating for that more walkability is you know is the right direction because our customers want to hang out and linger and you know have benches to hang out on and i don't know how many times i see people coming out of made by marcus or yellowed and sit down at a bench and have their ice cream you know right. sitting down ice cream and coffee those are the two things i always see people sitting on the benches kind of hanging out doing um or just chatting with each other you know they just want to take a break and sit and hang out and then they're staring at this business that maybe they've never seen before so um those are awesome things that you know we have heard from the public um even from our business's perspective we found out, you know, number, the top three things that we do on behalf of our businesses are beautification, cleaning, public art, um, and, and advocacy. So we know that, you know, a huge part of what also the businesses want is to make the outdoor mall an enjoyable space to be. Um, it's way better than West Edmonton Mall, way better than West Edmonton Mall. You're not going to see the stuff that you see uh, in West Edmonton Mall that you're going to see here. So, you know, I think those are all things that really give us a ton of hope uh when when edmontonians are telling us you know this yeah. is the top district uh of that that they want to enjoy exactly and they live, they've lived here their whole lives and they have they know they're familiar with the other neighborhoods around the city and they still pick this so it must we 
you know, the work you're doing, all the local businesses, there must, there must something must be ringing true and there must be some momentum that's kind of gathering because uh, I hear the exact same things. I don't have the surveys to back it up and the, uh, the uh, you know, the number one, that's huge. Uh, yeah. And you're right about people grabbing coffee, grabbing ice cream, hanging out. They just want to people watch. I know. I just want to people watch. Sometimes I, I just hear like, that all know. the time. We actually on our we did a patio map this year too, and even last year, and we actually have a category called like people watching patio, um, <laughs> and even businesses say that like when they're out on the patio, they're like, oh, we love just like, working the patio because we get to people watch. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's that's the thing. <laughs> Especially uh, after the you know, well, we're still in the pandemic, but like I mean, when you know you didn't see humans for outside of Costco or Walmart, like you know, it's now it's. It's like people are itching to see human beings again, yes. I think, you know. Yes, and there's lots of them here, and there's lots of really diverse humans <laughs> in oh, Old yeah. Strathcona. It's, uh, and you know, it's funny because we always talk about people like, what is it that makes this area unique, right? Because we try to think about that from our brand, and it's such a tough one for folks. We continually hear, though, is that destination, but... Uh, you know, we hear people saying like, keep white Ave weird, which I love and just like, Oh, it's kind of eclectic. It's, uh, you know, a little bit, um, it's not too polished and we kind of like that, you know, and I think, um, but the heart of it often comes down to that feel and that vibe that somehow exists down here that doesn't exist anywhere else. And, uh, some of it's a little bit weird, but I think people like that. They kind of anticipate to see something weird. If you don't see it, then you're like, Hmm. Am I, am I in white out? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Actually, one of your promo videos on your, on your website, it talked about the, the three kinds of uh, people. There's way more, but you said you might be a bohemian person mm-hmm. or a professional person or a hipster, mm-hmm. you know, or a rebel. You'll, you'll, you have, you'll find a home here. That's right. Absolutely. And, and that's a big part of what, you know, as a business association, we want it to be welcoming to everyone. In fact, speaking on that, we actually just, um, the pride corner folks just did a petition to try to make it more recognized as pride corner. They want like to name it and have some sort of like presence there to showcase that LGBTQ people are welcome here and that we don't tolerate hatred. Um, and so they, the petition, they got over 10,000 signatures to support making pride corner permanent, whatever that looks like. And part of that petition was to us as well to the city. So we went to our board and and said, you know, do we, you know, how do we want to support these folks? Are we good with supporting this? And a hundred percent of my board said like, hell yes. So we are working with the pride corner folks right now to figure out how can we make that corner. I mean, arguably I said to the city, can you paint all of our crosswalks rainbows? Um, but you know, what can we do to really showcase that this is a safe space for, for that community as well. And that's something very, very important to our board. And we have a lot of work to do on it, but I think, when you see just like, that's what happens in old Strathcona. People are like, oh, there's something happening here that seems to be not with the vibe. And the community comes out and has a dance party every Friday night. And I I'd, saw that, yeah. I'd highly recommend hanging out on a Friday night with them and doing some dancing. It's, it's fun. Oh, yeah. Um, they, and so they're, they're just, having a blast there. Yeah, they just come together. And like, this is the stuff we see, right? I think old Strathcona's got a long history of protests and rallies. And right. um, the community comes out right to save the community you know like it's just so cool <laughs> uh what, what, i i thought of one of those shirts strathcona versus everybody or something i don't know <laughs> oh we've talked about we've talked about creating some cool t-shirts about you know a some lot of people swag. in yeah. the city you know don't want to cross the river and uh, we've had some fun ideas around what that could mean about crossing crossing the river and uh, you know, stand on this side is, is a good thing. 
<laughs> I was I was gonna ask about the BIAs in the city and if there's some competition, but I'll touch on that later. <laughs> sure. Uh, um, with regards to kind of the future of uh, Ultra Athcona and uh, you know what you see happening in the area, uh, I know that we're sitting in a container right now. Um, the show is called In the Hopper. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just wanted to thank you first of all for being such a strong advocate of this project, uh, Station Park and uh, what we're trying to do here to activate this corner of Gateway and White Ave. And, it, you know, it's it's been a barren piece of land for over 100 years, um, or forever, actually. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, we have a lot, of, uh, uh, a lot of excitement and expectations about this project. And uh, I know that you've been a huge champion uh, for us on a lot of different levels with a lot of different stakeholders. And uh, first of all, thank you. And, uh, you know, second of all, what do you kind of see the impact of Station Park having in the area? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting. Um, so any big development that comes to our area, we, we go to our board, we actually even have development guidelines to kind of help us go through, um, in addition to our, our area redevelopment plans and all of those things that people who don't know in zoning, what that's all about. Uh, you know, our board takes a really, really good look at understanding the impacts of development. Um, cause we don't believe that all development's good development, but I right. think when we saw station park and flats, uh, one of our key strategic priorities is activating underutilized space. So when we looked at this project, we said, okay, this is, this is a really different kind of project. Um, but it is on a corridor of land that first of all, is hard to develop because yeah. there's still rail line there that CP is, is maintaining. And it's hard to develop a big, long piece of land. What do you do with it? And so I think that when we look at, you know, what are our strategic priorities and do the developments that are coming here align with them? So for us, it's activating underutilized space. Um, you know, it's um, enhancing public outdoor space and, and making it more usable and, and active. Um, we also know that when density and activity happens in underutilized corridors, it, it helps with safety. That's a huge priority for us. Um, it's going to bring more people living to our area, which we also know that that density side of things is the more people living here, the more customers there are here. Um, and that helps with multiple things. And the other piece of it that I think our board really, really was excited about was these small commercial units. Mm -hmm. Because part of the challenge with old historic buildings is, as I was saying, they don't always fit today's uh, retail environment. And we are hearing more and more that businesses want smaller space, and, and especially now. And we've never really been able to attract those startups because we are—we've become, uh, you know, a bit of a um, because we're a destination. I mean, rent is high here on White Avenue, right. and that prevents a lot of startups and you know new innovative businesses from coming in. So. Uh, one of my ambitions and, and one of our goals in our strategic plan was to try to get some sort of an incubator or co-working space or something like that so that we could attract small independent startups. And I think that was a huge thing for us with this project is that we're going to see like a market style atmosphere that's um, going to attract those kinds of businesses that hopefully will stay here and grow, yeah. um, which then just brings you know more diversity to our area, brings more of that, we hope, kind of funky, cool, interesting type of businesses that maybe couldn't have ever been here before. Absolutely. Yeah, making it a, a safe, approachable, digestible transition into a really uh, dense market uh, that has a lot of established brands and, and kind of play. So like, yeah, you can come to Strathcona, open your business and, you know, start your business journey here at, you know, really f 
like a fraction of the startup cost, a fraction of the rent, a fraction of the marketing cost that it would uh, to you know they would cost to go anywhere else. So yeah, we 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 see that too, and we talked about micro retail earlier being a huge trend. Uh, not only in commercial real estate, but in, you know, the business community um, and coming out of COVID, uh, you know, having more intimacy and building a relationship and uh, building community around your brand. It's easier to do that in close quarters. And even there's big box retailers like Ikea and H&M that are kind of transitioning to this micro retail thing. So I think it's, uh, there's some, there's some steam behind it, uh, no pun intended with the train. Uh, (laughs) So looking forward to seeing what happens with that. Um, But yeah, uh, I mean, all those points you hit on, um, yeah, we're so proud to have, uh, you know, community um, stakeholder partners like yourself um, that we can kind of you know, uh, you know, chat, chat, like, and you have so much knowledge too. like all these stats and all this information, like as developers, this is just, uh, it's like we're kids in a candy store. Um, so, um, we definitely got to do this more often. Um, yeah, well, it's all new, right? I mean, I don't think we've had a lot of these stats. Uh, we've done, you know, a little bit here and there, but I, um, one of our big strategies, uh, as part of our economic recovery strategy, we, we quickly developed, um, an economic recovery task force last year, and started just talk about like short term. We're not in recovery yet, but like it was more like a sustainability task force. Uh, and then as that led into this year, we applied for a grant with the city of Edmonton's economic recovery grant. And thank goodness we got it because we were able to do a lot of this stuff. And we quickly put together, you know, a business recruitment retention strategy for, you know, a couple years. Um, so we were able to do a whole bunch of market research. We were able to do these expanded sidewalks with cool barriers this year. We're able to develop a business recruitment package, a whole new section on our website that's going to get launched this week. Cool. Um, and the, the package is sweet. It's sweet. Like you read it on the first page. You're like, why would I not set up a business in Old Strathcona? Uh, and we're mm-hmm. calling it See Yourself in Old Strathcona because oh. it really is about that that feeling you get. We did videos with businesses who've been here for a long time and some businesses that are newer uh, as to, you know, why did they set up here? Uh, so we have lots and lots of great content that we're uh, now have to roll out to just talk about that opportunity that exists and we want to get in the hands of developers we want to get in the hands of of landlords which is typically something we haven't done Um, we haven't done a lot of business recruitment and and business development and it's so incredibly vital now Uh, it's going to help our existing businesses vacant storefronts don't help anyone so um you know, that's, that's all stuff that I think is going to help us over the next couple of years really set ourselves up in a, in a good place. A lot of people think that our vacancy rates are, are higher than they are, and we got some stats around that too, and it's much lower than we anticipated. A lot of people were, you know, concerned about 20, 30% vacancies. Okay. We did a, we did a, we did a walk through White Avenue from 99th to 109th in the last month, and all our storefronts we're sitting about 13% vacancy. Now that's a snapshot in time, right? but, uh, still not 30%. No. And I mean, it's higher than what we've had, but we've also heard is because our vacancy has always been around like six to 8%. Mm -hmm. New businesses can't get in, right? There's no space for them. Exactly. Right. And, and a lot of the restaurants, they are looking for a space that already has a kitchen built because they're hugely expensive for sure. It's like a quarter million dollars in some cases to build out a new kitchen. So, we actually have that now, and so that might actually be an opportunity for new businesses to come in, which I think is exciting. So, 
it's, yeah, it's not all doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. And, you know, real estate agents are telling us we're the fastest submarket to recover in Edmonton. Wow. So it's all just delayed. Like stuff was supposed to open sooner. We, you know, there's some sweet stuff coming into the Strathcona hotel. Um, you know, all this stuff was supposed to happen months ago. It's just delayed. It's delayed. So yeah. I'm like, I'm hanging on to this fall thinking, I oh, know there's more stuff opening this year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a tough. It's it's definitely been tough. It's definitely had its impact. But I also think that we're seeing um, the desirability of people wanting to come down here is really really high, which is awesome. Absolutely. And you mentioned that uh, the vacancy rate, even though it's like 13, 14, 15 percent. Um, if I'm a business owner out there, I'm thinking, holy smokes, I got to get in there before it gets down to four percent because <laughs> you know it's not going to be. There's not going to be that many uh, vacancies going into the next two three years as the. Uh, especially under your stewardship, I mean, this this area is about to blow up, um, metaphorically speaking, of course. Oh, goodness, uh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I just wanted to kind of tie this all together with uh, just your general thoughts on the future of Old Strathcona. I mean, I just mentioned five years from now uh, or 10 years from now or however, whatever the forecast is, maybe you can give us some ideas about kind of what you see in the next handful of years uh, as uh, we kind of, you know, uh, come out of this pandemic and, 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 you know, really tie a bow on everything that happens in this area from the business to the streetscaping, to the festivals, to the walkability, to the paths, to the, everything you've highlighted. There's so much to be excited about. I want to get your understanding of, get your take on where you see this going. Hmm. Well, based again on, on everything, even the statistics are telling us, which it's, it's nice to have anecdotal evidence, but the statistics really help you. And mm-hmm. as I've said, I think our area of the city is surviving the pandemic better than most. Um, we continue, continue to hear positive and optimistic updates, uh, from leasing agents. And, and again, we know that our efforts with business recruitment and retention plans will help that. We certainly help hope that that will help us to recruit the types of businesses we know that do the best here. Cause, cause quite honestly, not every business is suited to this area, right. um, because we're a highly walkable area and that's what people want, um, you know, that, that, su- that suits certain types of businesses and maybe not others. Um, I think that, you know, we really see an opportunity over the next, it's hard to imagine five years from now, we need to do strate- strategic planning with our board next year. And it's going to be a tough one because so much has changed and so much is unknown. And I think we aren't really going to know the long-term impacts of the pandemic for probably another couple years. Right. And I know the tourism industry and the hotel industry um, they're predicting it's going to take them, you know, three, four years to recover. Although when I talked to our hotel manager last week during fringe, they were hundred percent capacity and I don't think any other hotel awesome. in the city is, is seeing that. So, you know, I think what we'd like to see from our board's perspective and our business perspective is, is to continue seeing development and growth and revitalization of our beautiful historic buildings. The Scona garage is going to be another beautiful one. Yeah. Um, we want to continue to see that. I think, I think we want to see more back alley businesses. We want to see more of these innovative concepts, more small businesses moving in. I think we also want to see how we can support, um, you know, office type workers in, in a different capacity. Uh, we really want to see our walkability enhanced. And that is something we are really advocating for with the city. Um, our area is slated for some, from infrastructure renewal in 2030, it's supposed to be completed, which feels like it's forever, but, um, from city standpoint, that's fast. 
so that right. will be yeah. that will be a whole consultation process on you know looking at our sidewalks and looking at our street furniture and looking at our roads and our crosswalks um we're moving in the right direction and these these pilot projects that we've been able to do to enhance outdoor spaces has shown the city this is what we need and this is what people want and this is what businesses want um, we have two scramble crosswalks entering our two busiest intersections that I've been advocating for. That's the for, ones that go. Yeah. yeah, they're kind of scramble, like a, like a crisscross. Yeah. And what those do, one of the things they do, well, primarily what they're supposed to do is create a safer space for pedestrians. Um, so two of our most dangerous intersections where we have the most collisions uh, between people and cars are now getting those scramble crosswalks. And when I asked about them two years ago, it was a different response than, than what I'm getting now. So okay. I think that, you know, and even with the new city plan, when, when you look at sort of like the urban plan for the city and, and how our main street districts like old Strathcona, um, are really suited well for, um, playing a big role in what I would say community economic development, local economic development, and these are not just shopping districts. They are the cultural hubs and communities of our cities that I think during COVID we've missed. And so I hope that, uh, you know, when we get through this, hopefully, um, people will want to come back to our areas. And we've already seen that this year. We've even, you know, Fringe starting back this year, albeit right. as small as it was, they actually had a pretty successful year. Good. And I think with the festivals coming back next year, I think it's going to be really busy because we're, we're the place where people want to socialize and want to hang out. Uh, and I think we want to continue to provide that for folks and, and make it even better, make it even better, more art, more places to hang out, cooler businesses, um, and just continue to ramp it up to, to make sure that this stays the number one destination district in the city. Absolutely. Yeah, once you're on top, there's going to be competition coming for your, uh, you know, your spot. Uh, so to be the best, you got to beat the best. Uh, I'm not sure what movie that's from, but <laughs> I like that. Uh, I like that saying because it's true. Like it's not enough to 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 get to that spot. You have to carry. You have to, you know, stay true to the things that got you here, which was all the things we've talked about today. And uh, I love what you talked about with, um, you know, innovative concepts, city plans, uh, you know, attracting office workers, scrambling. The uh, walks make it more walkable. I mean, we're I think we're headed in the right direction, and there's going to be challenges, of course. Um, but I think that uh, we have the right uh, horses in the barn, um, for lack of a better word. To uh, these are great like <laughs> <laughs> metaphors. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know where they come from. I watch Sea Biscuit, Sea Biscuit too much. Ah, uh, uh. uh, but. Uh, yeah, no, I, I love that. Um, and speaking of competition and staying on, staying number one and being the best in the city and the best in Canada, let's say, uh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, you know, I'm pretty bullish about this area. Um, and, uh, but from your perspective, would you say that, the uh, OSBA, Old Strathcona Business Association is the best BIA in the city of Edmonton? Ooh. Oh, I don't know if I can, <laughs> <laughs> I respect my colleagues a lot. Oh, okay. And as being the, um, I mean, of course we would, we would like to think that, um, we work really hard at what we do, but I mean, I got to give full props to my other colleagues who've, who've, uh, clawed their way through this last 18 months. Um, right. what I would say is I think 
the businesses that are in business improvement areas will recover faster than anywhere else in the city. So I'd love to see more BIA set up. I know Calgary has had ones grown. Um, I actually just talked to some folks in Fort McMurray yesterday. They want to set up a BIA there. Uh, this is what we do. We do economic recovery. We were formed 50 years ago in response to economic recovery and people leaving, um, an area in Toronto for the malls. So I think that this is what we do. We do economic recovery. And if, if your business isn't in a business improvement area, you should be. That's what I would say about it is that all of our business improvement areas are fantastic in the city. And we're all helping each other. We have never worked closer together. I That's mean, we've awesome. had monthly meetings. We've done so much advocacy to the city and we're stronger together. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So I'm not a cheeky with the competition, but I, you know, it's good to have a little bit of a healthy, <laughs> Hey, why don't you come to this side of the river? You know? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. We only have two BIAs on the South of the river, the French quarters and us. Wow. Um, and that's absurd. We need more of them. So absolutely. There's, there's lots of reasons to, to venture South of the river and, um, you know, maybe we're going to have some ways to get across the river a little, a little easier in the coming years, who knows, but, yeah. um, yeah, we like to work with, with all our various partners and, and learn from each other about what's worked, what's not worked. Yeah. And all of us are doing some really cool stuff. Downtown's doing cool stuff and 124 streets doing neat stuff. So, um, we're all learning from each other. Exactly. Yeah. You can kind of, you can kind of pick and choose, uh, what is really successful in every area around the city and see if you can duplicate it because we're all in Edmonton. We all want Edmonton to be, uh, you know, growing at the same rate and to be as successful because, uh, you know, like you said, when it came to the collaboration and cross promotion, if we're kind to our neighbors, uh, and we're, we're good to our neighbors, uh, they'll be good to us. And, uh, I, I, it, it's probably the same with the BIAs. And I was just curious because you're doing such a great job here in old, the old Strathcona market. Like, are you getting asked to, for, to consult on other areas or different? <laughs> I'm just curious. Cause like, I mean, I'm, I imagine that must be happening. You yeah. Know? You know, I've had some interesting phone calls and stuff this year. So I got invited to in the spring, um, BIABC, which is the provincial business association for, for BC. We don't have, well, we have one here. It's being built. Cool. Um, we actually, yeah, we have some amazing, uh, two ladies who run BIAs in Edmonton and Calgary who are heading that up and that, that is working to become a formalized association uh, for all of Alberta. Um, so BC called me up because of our expanded sidewalk project we did last year and wanted me to speak at a conference. Um, wow. which was cool. I haven't done that before. So I did that. It was a virtual conference in May. Um, I'm getting phone calls from other areas asking about like, how do we set up a BIA? Um, how did you do this? How did you do that? Uh, and I'm not that hard to find, I guess, but it's, it's cool. I think we're putting ourselves on the map yeah. and, uh, I know Panita's getting downtown a lot of attention too with international downtown association, but we're all members of that. Um, and getting invited. And I think it's, I think it's really cool because we always, I think in Alberta, look at like BC and Vancouver and their main streets as like, you know, they're cool, they're, they're better. And so when I have colleagues from BC saying, how did you do that? We couldn't get our city to, to allow us to like shut down a street or, or not even shut down, but just like put these, put these barriers out and like work with us to do that and expand our patios. How did you do that? So that's pretty cool that Edmonton has been leading the way um, uh, in some parts of out of some parts of, of Canada, which is pretty cool because I think a lot of us think uh, 
Edmonton. We don't do anything that innovative or cool. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really reassuring when you start to get phone calls from folks um, across Canada and even the States and, and saying like, how did you do that? We couldn't do that here. Our municipality wouldn't work with us. Wow. So that's pretty neat. So you're setting the blueprint. <laughs> well, I think a bunch of us are. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I think a bunch of us are. We've, we've got some pretty amazing executive directors. We have lots of new ones, and they're, they're, uh, they're scrappy. And I think that we're going to see some cool stuff coming out of our Main Street districts, and I think the sky's kind of the limit. So, yeah, if you're starting a business you got to be in our BIAs. That's hey, where you got to be. hundred <laughs> uh, percent. You know, I can't see why you wouldn't feel supported uh, with, uh, you know, a BIA in your, at your back and helping you and program the area. I mean, all you have to do is turn the lights on, it seems, and something well, something good will happen. So <laughs> I think uh, it's a little more work than that. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I can be a bit, uh, a bit uh, cheeky sometimes, but uh, uh, I guess um, as we wrap things up here, Sharia, like how what are your thoughts? Uh, like, do you have any other things to tie this up or to maybe some final thoughts about just everything we've discussed or anything you'd like to kind of share with the folks out there who are just thinking about, you know, what they can expect and what they can look forward to? Oh, that's tough. I think, um, I think I'm excited about what winter, uh, animation might look like in our city. And okay. I'm seeing some, some interesting stuff with different groups and festivals really wanting to make winter an enjoyable part. And I mean, this is something the city has been trying to do for years. So, I mean, I'm pretty excited about some of the plans we have, uh, for this winter, we're going to bring back our winter white light up in McIntyre park. Um, we want to expand the programming and keeping it a little bit weird. So I think that, um, you know, I don't even know Flying Canoe, which is just outside of our district, is, is planning to come back full force this year, too. We have Ice on White, which I'm super excited yeah. to see them coming back. Um, and I think it's going to look different. I think, I think I'm just really excited to, uh, to see how things are going to be different. And um, I would say to, to Edmontonians, like, be prepared for things that are different and innovative. Um, don't let it scare you. Uh, because I think we've really got to embrace innovation and creativity to help us get through this pandemic. And it's not just our businesses. Like I've said, we're so much more than just shopping centers, right? Right. We're, we're these interesting cultural hubs. And, uh, I just encourage Edmontonians to embrace that and, um, and be kind to each other. Some of the sad Absolutely. stuff that's come out of this is, you know, you see a lot of hatred and you see a lot of anger. Um, and we certainly are not through, we have a lot of really big challenges right now um, that the pandemic has, has created. So, uh, you know, be kind to each other and be kind to business owners. They've just been through so much these last 18 months. Agreed. Those would be my messages. Like I love what entrepreneurs do and um, I don't know how they keep doing it. I don't know how. And they still have smiles on their faces, many of them. And so, yeah, that would be one of my big final states is, is, is to say be kind. <laughs> uh, I think we should wrap it up on that. That is an amazing message. And uh, thank you so much for your time and for your insights. Uh, I think everyone got a lot from that today. So, uh, yeah, can, maybe we can t add one more thing here. Where can people find you online, I guess? Uh, oh, in easy to find. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm active on Twitter. Um, you just have to Google my name, but okay. my Twitter handle is, uh, C H E R L K. 
that's my Twitter handle. I'm a little more private on Instagram. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn and I'm in the news a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did a hundred interviews this last year. Oh wow. Um, and you know, I think you can, you can learn all about old Strathcona on our, on our Instagram and uh, we're at old Strathcona on Instagram, Twitter, and on our website's oldstrathcona.ca. So you can find me there too. Oldstrathcona.ca. And you said there's a new part coming to the website, right? There is. There will be a new uh, sort of opportunities section that will have our amazing business recruitment package. We work with Parados Communications to put that together and they did an amazing job. Um, it's a beautiful package that tells you all about why you want to set up a business in Old Strathcona. And we even have it narrowed down for different industries. So if you're a retailer, this is why you want to be here. If you're a service-based business, this is why you want to be here. So that's all going to be launched really, really soon, um, along with um, a marketing strategy to complement it. Oh, cool. Well, no, those are amazing resources, and uh, we'll put those in the show notes. Um, but once again, uh, Sheree, thank you so much for your time. And uh, Thank you guys for tuning in to In the Hopper. Have a good one. Thank you.